Hey everyone, what's going on? Welcome to a brand new edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And right now I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. Hope everyone is having a wonderful Friday and ready for the weekend. Some things that I want to talk about before wrapping up this week. I'm going to get into the potential maybe for season two of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Ewan McGregor talks about that and a whole lot more. But the first thing that I do want to talk about on this Friday is of course recapping the rest of CinemaCon that took place this week. On Wednesday, I did kind of the first part. I talked about the Walt Disney Studios panel that went about that day. I talked about the Warner Brothers panel. I talked about Sony. And then the the, the last day or so, and, and the day that I recorded the podcast, they also did the Universal, the Paramount, and the Lionsgate panel. So we're going to talk about those today. And again, for those that might not have listened to my Wednesday podcast, for those who don't know what CinemaCon is, it's basically an event where theater exhibitioners, whether it's AMC, Regal, or more local independent theaters or mom and pop theaters that are just owned by families, they all kind of get together. It's kind of their own Comic-Con in a way. And basically studios present this year and the next year or so of movies that they have coming up on their docket for theaters and they usually present new new footage or footage that we are seeing for the first time for films that are set to come out maybe here and there we'll get some new announcements for things that are coming down the line some release dates so that's what we got when we talk about Walt Disney they talked about of course Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness they showed 20 minutes of that they showed 30 minutes of Lightyear they gave new footage for some of the DC slate at Warner Brothers they talked about the Flash Black Adam and then in Sony they of course talked about the multi or not the multiverse but the Spider-Verse films the animated films that are says to come out in the next couple of years so that's kind of the basis of what CinemaCon really is and again on Wednesday it was more towards the evening time Universal was the next studio to go up and present their slate and their panel was more so really dedicated towards theater owners and the theatrical experience and then, and I think the diversification of genres within the movies that they approach with. I think when we talk about Warner Brothers, Walt Disney, I feel like they, they focus on the bigger picture stuff and they and they bring out the big guns. With Universal, surprisingly, it was very much and I'm somebody who wasn't at the the, the CinemaCon, but I was I was following it as I was going along and hearing about it through social media, through reports, it was very much kind of giving a full litmus of what Universal has on the docket, big budget, mid-budget, indie films, and they really gave, I think, everything they they could at them, and a lot of it was big budget films from ongoing franchises, reboots for IPs, but also they brought out some original content and from original filmmakers, and the first thing that they brought out right out of the gate, which I think was a smart idea, was bringing out Jordan Peele to present his latest film that is set to come out on July 22nd of this year is Nope, which stars Kiki Palmer. It stars David Kaluuya. It also stars Stephen Young. So, and seeing the teaser trailer that came out, it was, it's another one of those very mystifying films that we don't know what the hell is going on. And Jordan Peele likes to kind of keep it very close to the vest. And so when he came out and presented 
this film, he talked about the idea of the title, which, uh, again, sometimes the title is a title for a film, but for certain filmmakers, a title is everything. And for Jordan Peele, he's done Get Out, he's done Us, and this one's Nope. And those titles from his previous two films have had significance. So he talked about the significance of the title. He also talked about the filmmaking techniques that he used. He said he utilized 65 millimeter. He also used IMAX technology. He said that it allowed him to capture the images that he wanted to, the new technological sequences and the new techniques he was able to utilize for this film. He called it uh, a, a ride, and he and he also talked about with the titles. He liked how titles, they are, how the audience is really into the feeling of it and how it reflects on what the audience is thinking and how they're feeling in the theater. And he did say that the trailer will be coming in the next couple of weeks, probably around probably May, early June at best, since the film is coming out in July. But uh, again, this is a filmmaker that I think a lot of people want new content. And Jordan Peele is somebody who is very successful when it comes to that original content, giving audiences new films that they never really saw before, talking about things that are going on in the world right now, and infusing a lot of that within his movies. And it seems like he's doing that exact same thing with with this one. So I think it was it was really smart for him to come out and, and give kind of the first presentation. Everyone loves what he does as a director. And I also like how Universal kind of made it a pattern with a lot of the panels and a lot of the presentations they did that night was also kind of pairing up these projects, the presentations with, with theater owners. And they paired Jordan Peele up with the first black owner of a theater in the Baltimore area and how his family kind of built it up from the beginning and how they've been able to maintain it. And they did that throughout the night, giving kind of different stories for a lot of theater owners and what they're going through and how they build up their theaters. Because again, a lot of, not everything is an AMC or Regal or Cinemark where you have all these chains. There are there are families, there are people that depend on the theaters, just one theater, maybe two or three theaters. And that's pretty much it. And so I think it's very interesting to kind of see different people and their own experiences when it comes to owning a theater chain or one single theater and how they their mindset and their history behind that. So I thought that was very interesting. And they continued to do that again throughout the night. And they did it with Halloween Kills, which presented their first footage for the very first time. And it wasn't necessarily a lot of new footage. Apparently, it was kind of recapping the, the legacy of the Halloween films from the first one in the 70s to the one in 2018 to the new one. And then it's leading up to what they're kind of calling their a la Endgame, where this is going to be the the final quote-unquote confrontation between Laurie Strode and Michael Myers. There was this apparently cool battle between the two of them where Laurie's the one who's kind of going after Michael Myers and Jamie Lee Curtis, who's the star of this film, talked about how the, the, the evolution of Laurie and, and how she's kind of gone up to being somebody who confronts her demons, who confronts her killers and, 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 and the people that are tormenting her and the person that is doing that. So that was really cool to hear. And I'm really hoping for this one because with a Halloween Ends, it was a film that I was very disappointed by because I was a real big fan of the 2018 film. I thought there was a lot of stuff, new original stuff that they did within that film, kind of reinvigorating the franchise. And I didn't feel that with the sequel. So I'm hoping that they do, they follow up 2018 with Halloween Ends or Halloween, or Halloween Ends, excuse me. Halloween Kills was was the sequel. The second one, Halloween Ends, is the 
is the is the final film that's coming out this year. So I'm really looking forward to it. It sounds really cool. Hopefully it's on the same level as a 2018 film. And then there were a bunch of other projects. And this is where I get to kind of talking about the diversification of all the different films that are coming out. They had announcements for the new James Wan produced film called Megan. They had a, a look at the new film from Joy Roy, which is from called Easter Sunday. They talked about Minions. They talked about Billy Eichner's new film, which is going to be the first all-encompassing LGBTQ cast where I believe they're also playing gay and straight people as well. So that one's called Bros, which sounds really interesting. You have the new Jamie Julia Roberts, George Clooney film called Ticket to Paradise. You have the what's sure to be an Oscars, a potential Oscar contender this upcoming year with the Carey Mulligan-led film about kind of the New York Times reporters that uncover the whole Harvey Weinstein scandal called She Said. That apparently performed really well at CinemaCon as well. And you also had Puss in Boots, which is set to come out later this year as well, which is a sequel to an animated film that came out years ago when I was still in, in high school. The first one came out. So it's been a long time, but they're coming out with a sequel to that animated film with Antonio Banderas coming back as well. And then, of course, in the 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 parent company or, or the 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 co-company along with Universal that's right below them of course is Focus Features which is kind of like 20th Century where they the big studio is 20th Century and then you have Searchlight and that's kind of the same thing with Universal and Focus Features where Focus kind of talks about and deals with a lot more of the indie smaller budget movies that maybe Universal doesn't want to take a chance on and Focus Features distributes it and produces them themselves. They talked about Tar which is a new Cate Blanchett film that's set to come out. There's also Armageddon Time, which is a new film from James Gray that stars Anne Hathaway. I remember hearing about that when the pandemic was kind of going strong in 2020. This is a film that I was hearing kind of gearing up in the next couple of years. You also have Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. And of course, the next film for Focus Features, which is set to come out in the next couple of weeks, is the sequel to Down Abbey to the hit show Down Abbey, A New Era. So there was a lot of stuff that Universal did. But of course, the big one that they ended on was Jurassic World Dominion, which is their big film, I think, coming out this year that everyone's looking forward to. It's coming out on June 10th. And they did have Jeff Goldblum and Bryce Dallas Howard come out and introduce the film. And then, of course, they played the, the trailer and the following day after it played at CinemaCon, Universal released it for everyone else to see online. So we were all able to pretty much see what everyone at CinemaCon saw in that theater. And seeing the trailer, it looks awesome. It looks like an epic popcorn summer blockbuster that we expect this film to be. And I'm really excited for it because I think what Colin Trevorrow did, who directed the 2015 Jurassic World film, he did a good job of bringing that ideal and that kind of mentality and that fun to that movie and so I'm expecting him to do the same thing with this film and it kind of goes into a whole new arena where dinosaurs are living amongst men it's not just secluded to one park it seems like it's this globe trotting again epic action film that we're going to get where dinosaurs are in Italy they're in the forest they're in the sea with fishermen it looks awesome and then of course the big hook for the film is getting that nostalgia factor in there where you get the big three from the original trilogy to come back in Sam Neill Laura Dern Jeff Goldblum, them interacting with Chris Pratt's Owen and Bryce Dallas Howard. you it, All that is coming together in this film. And you see it in this trailer. It looks like a fun, incredible time. This one's definitely going to be a big entertaining film and it's going to be a huge hit at the box office. I think when we talk about films 
that are really going to break out and, and showcase that surgence of billion-dollar hits like summer movies would do back in 2019, 2018, pre-pandemic, I think that you try to look for those films right now, which ones can do it. And I think for certainty, Jurassic World Dominion is one of those films, along with the Marvel films like Thor Love and Thunder in the Multiverse of Madness, that can definitely lend itself to that and be one of the big hits of not just the summer, but of the entirety of 2022. So it's coming out June 10th. Tickets are now on sale for the film. So if you have not done so yet, try to get your tickets on sale. I, I went online to see on AIM, the AMC app. Wasn't selling out like a lot of Marvel films do where the, the site was shutting down, but people are getting their tickets. So if you don't know yet, you can go get your tickets on sale, whether it's your, at your local AMC, whether it's at your, if you have a Regal Bayou, or if you have a local independent chain theater Bayou, definitely try to get your tickets for this film as fast as possible. So that was the Universal panel, which again, great stuff. It has a lot of exciting stuff that I'm looking forward to in the next couple of months into the next year or so. And then the next day, which was yesterday on Thursday, was the Paramount Pictures panel. And there wasn't a whole lot that kind of came out of there, per se, when it comes to new stuff, because they were really focusing on the first screening of Top Gun Maverick with Tom Cruise, which is set to come out on Memorial Day this summer. And we'll get into that in a second, but they did offer up a sizzle, which included new things for Transformers Rise of Beasts, which apparently there were new looks at Optimus Prime, at RC, at Anthony Ramos's character, there were apparently some title cards for the new Scream film. There was a whole bunch of stuff, but the main things that people were focusing on, other than Top Gun Maverick, was they showcased the first trailer for the highly anticipated Damien Chazelle next film, which is coming after he did First Man and La La Land. It is called Babylon. It stars Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, Tobey Maguire, Katherine Watterson. You have Samara Weaving. You have PJ Bryan. You have Olivia Wilde, Spike Jones, Gene Smart. It's a litany of people that are a part of this cast, another A-list cast to go alongside this year. And we talk about a lot of ones that are coming in the next couple of years, like Amsterdam or Bullet Train, and this is alongside of them as well. And this is a film that I've been really looking forward to. It's really about 1920s Hollywood, where basically silent films are all the rave, but slowly a transition is happening where it's going from silent films to talkies, is what they were called at the time. It's basically, instead of just being silent films and, and it was only encompassed with music and action, you're getting a lot of dialogue in films now. And, and when you look at Hollywood history, that had a huge impact on the industry because you had a lot of people that only did silent films and that was their expertise and they didn't, they, they maybe weren't the best when it came to talking and getting into that realm so it's a I think it's an interesting look at a time in Hollywood that was really kind of shifting everything and changed the the mentality of the industry and the way that people looked at movies at the time so it, it's a it's an area that's untapped and if it's anything like what he did with La La Land where it's a it's a love letter to Hollywood and this is kind of a love letter to an era of that of that industry I think this could be something incredible you have an incredible cast and from what I heard about the the footage that was shown it looks fun which is something that I was surprised to hear it looks funny and it looks entertaining so I'm, I'm very much looking forward to seeing what this one's all about and definitely want to check out when it comes to next award season which I'm sure we'll be talking about in the next couple of months to come but putting that aside though there was another big thing that also came out of the panel and 
When you think about Paramount, you of course think about Tom Cruise. And I'm not talking about Top Gun Maverick yet, but there's another big franchise that you probably even think of more when you think of Tom Cruise. And that, of course, is the Mission Impossible franchise. And there was a lot of buzz of getting the first footage of the, the next Mission Impossible film and maybe the title, because again, titles don't mean a whole lot, but with, with the, the Mission Impossible franchise, after the third film, every single one has had a cool name. Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, Fallout. So what is this one gonna be called? And there was apparently some footage that was shown from the film, which sounds exciting. You got a, you had a cool message from Tom Cruise where he's apparently shooting the eighth film and he's hanging off in a, of an airplane doing the daredevil stuff that we know Tom Cruise to do. And then of course we got the title for the new film and it is going to be called Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One, which makes sense even though we don't do part ones and part twos and not in the names per se, but seven and eight of Mission Impossible were being filmed kind of back to back, probably telling this one story. So it makes sense that right now, who knows if, if it'll change in the next couple of, of months into the next year since the film is not coming out until July 14th of, of 2023, that maybe it just changed to Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. But still, cool title. Sounds like the footage is really cool. We probably, it sounds like from reports, we are going to be getting the trailer, the first trailer or some version of what was seen at CinemaCon when Top Gun Maverick airs on Memorial Day weekend. So that's something exciting to look forward to in the next couple of weeks as well. And it's a perfect segue to talk, of course, about the big thing coming out of the Paramount Pictures panel of CinemaCon, and that was the first ever screening of Top Gun Maverick. No, the first screening isn't happening at the Cannes Film Festival. It happened at CinemaCon, and it was one that I think a lot of people were anticipating, looking forward to. This is a film that has been years in the making, and there have been trailers for this film for the last two years, a, a large part because of the pandemic. This was originally supposed to come out in 2020. It was supposed to come out in 2019, even before then, this thing was shot back in the summertime, or I believe sometime in 2018. So this has been one that has been in the making for a long, long time, and people were finally able to check it out, and the trailers have looked awesome for the film. I think if any film is able to enter a film festival, they have some kind of a confidence in it. Now, again, sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. And when you're confident enough to show the first screening of a film in front of all these different people, in front of press, theater exhibitioners, a few weeks before even the film is supposed to come out, even at a film festival, the studio has confidence in it in some degree. So I was looking for this one to probably have positive reviews, but I was not expecting the overwhelming raves that I've been hearing about this film. Some things that I, I wasn't even expecting to hear about it. And this is what people were saying coming out of the screening. So we're gonna start off with, of course, our dear friend over at Fandango and Rotten Tomatoes, Eric Davis, who was at CinemaCon and was doing a great job recapping everything going on there. He did see the first screening and this is what he had to say about the film. One word, wow. Top Gun Maverick is absolutely terrific in every conceivable way. The action and flying is crazy intense and continually changes and evolves. You're on the edge of your seat. I was not prepared for how emotional it was too. The crowd cheered a dozen times. It's real deal. Folks, trust me when I say this is a legitimately great film. Whatever your plans are for Memorial Day weekend, make Top Gun Maverick a part of them. I think I cried the whole freaking movie because I'm such a dork. Love the cast and it's another classic Tom Cruise performance. Then going over to Jeff Snyder, who's a writer and reporter over at The Ankler, who, again, if you are in the movie sphere, 
and you follow reporters, Jeff Snyder is somebody who is very harsh, and, and not even harsh, but hard, and has a, a litmus for what he considers to be greatness, in, in especially in blockbusters and in big event films. And sometimes I agree with them, sometimes I don't. To me, this was a huge, huge deal in the tweet that he sent out because of how he rates the blockbusters and, and his reviews for them. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's meaty, of course, sometimes they're bad. So what he says about Top Gun Maverick to me is is huge. And this is what he had to say. Top Gun Maverick is the perfect blockbuster. Not only did it feature dazzling aerial combat sequences, but I actually cried. It's that emotional and call me crazy, but I humbly predict that it will land a best picture nod next year. It's not just that good, it's very good. So that that's huge coming from somebody like Jeff Snyder. Then moving over to somebody from Scott Menzel who was at CinemaCon. This is what he had to say about the movie. Top Gun Maverick is going to completely blow away fans of the original and may even make some new ones along the way. Truthfully, even though the plot is very dependent on that of the original, I found the film to be better than the original in almost every way. And then the final one I want to talk about is from Collider. Steve Frosty Weintraub had this to say, absolutely loved Top Gun Maverick, blown away by the cinematography and the flying scenes. He also goes on to write about the film when talking about Top Gun Maverick that it is also the rest of the cast is great with special props to Miles Teller and Glenn Powell. This is the kind of movie you want to see on the biggest screen possible. So rave reviews coming out about Top Gun Maverick. And again, I was expecting some really good stuff, but not to this extent, where I'm hearing people calling it one of the great sequels of all time, one of the great blockbusters of all time. I'm, again, I'm somebody who likes to read some of these social media reactions. I get a gauge, then I go into a film, and then I completely let it go. So I'm still going to be doing that, but my anticipation level for Top Gun Maverick was already at a place where I was excited about it. But now hearing this, it gets me uh, even more excited. It notches it up a, a few degrees for my anticipation for this film. Again, I'm somebody who really enjoys Top Gun. I was a big fan of it when I when, when I watched it when I was younger, but again, it wasn't the greatest thing in the world. But I enjoyed it, and, and it was a lot of fun. It's that kind of summer good feel film, and it seems like they were able to do it again. And it's great to see that for Joseph Kaczynski, who directed films like Tron Legacy, to see him kind of come in and fill the shoes of Tony Scott, who unfortunately passed away um, a f many years ago when they were in the development of this film, to kind of come in and live up to that legacy and, and potentially do something to this level, it, it gets me really excited. And again, it shows the confidence that Paramount has in this. It, it showcases, I think, the star power of Tom Cruise when it comes to doing his own stunts and the fact that they do never before seen material when it comes to these aerial combat sequences. I mean, just in the trails alone, you're inside the cockpit of everybody. When you hear the interviews from a lot of the cast members, the featurettes that they also went into to do some aerial training to do the same kind of a things to make it seem as legit and real as possible, that's what you need to do. And that's what great actors do where they make the audience feel as if they are a part of it as well and make it feel as legitimate as as they can. And, and you love, of course, CGI stuff and, and stuff that's make-believe, but it's stuff like that where it wows people, and it seems like that is exactly what this film does, and you could say that that was really the, the highlight of, of CinemaCon, that he, just with that, that would be the cherry on top for any panel or, or any convention to do what they did with that, but... 
it wasn't over after that. It was over for Paramount Pictures after that, but the final panel that we were able to get that night that wrapped it all up was for Lionsgate. And usually, when you think about Lionsgate, they come out with some good films, but nothing where you're where you're looking forward to it. This year, they, they, they changed that up a little bit. And of course, they came out with the first look at the fourth Expendables film that I'm sure will get peop- some people excited for that franchise once again with Jason Statham, Sylvester Stallone coming in. You have newcomers like 50 Cent and you have Megan Fox. So I'm sure that will get people interested in seeing that film. But the big one, of course, was John Wick Chapter 4, which is one of the most unique franchises that has ever sprung, I think, in the ether when it comes to movie history, where it was a small little film that came out back in 2014, I believe. It might have been 2014, 2015. And it just was an amazing film. And we got sequel after sequel and you just have to be better than the than the than the predecessor and just ratchet everything up and now we're at the point where we're getting a fourth one of these films and people love what they see and it seems like that's exactly what we got with this fourth installment as well where everyone was loving the first bit of footage that came out it apparently has john wick just killing a bunch of people which is no surprise and apparently he's wielding nunchucks and it just sounds awesome and, and i'm really looking forward to this chat stahelski is coming back to direct once again so you have the dynamic duo of Keanu Reeves Stahelski at the helm so I'm sure we're in for another cool adventure in the John Wick franchise and they did also say that the spin-off film for John Wick which is kind of going to be focusing on the ballerina assassins that were kind of introduced in chapter 3 Power Bellum a few years ago is set to begin shooting sometime this summer and that film is, of course is going to be starring Ana de Armas so that's another one to be looking forward to so this is really kind of turning into a whole big universe with spinoffs and things like that and again it's it's when you were to ask me when that first trailer came out that this would be a franchise and it'd be a universe i would have said you're crazy but here we are today and, and it's one of the more successful ones that people absolutely love and it's not like it's dying out it is one that continues to do great work and build on itself in every single one so i'm really excited to see what we get in john wick chapter four next year and then another film that did surprise and not in in not footage but in in an announcement was that the the hunger games prequel is set to debut on november 17 2023 next year this was a film that was or, or rather an announcement that was in development for the last couple of years and it's it's going to have the return of Francis Lawrence coming back, who directed the final three Hunger Games films in Catching Fire and the two Mockingjay parts. And so he's coming back to this, a la kind of David Yates with the Harry Potter franchise and the Fantastic Beasts films. It's kind of in that same realm of, of getting people to come back that are familiar with the world. It's going to be kind of a prequel that's set with the president or soon-to-be president, Cornelius Snow, who was played by Donald Sutherland in the in the in the Hunger Games franchise, but this is somebody who's a lot younger, not president yet, and he's and we're gonna be following that character in this new story. And it's called The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, again coming out November 17th of 2023, which makes sense since the the final three Hunger Games films did really well in that spot in 2013, 2014, and 2015 as well. So that date makes a lot of sense. And this is one that's unique too because we know 
who's directing it. We know who's writing it. We know the producers behind it, but we don't know who the cast is. And apparently this is a film that's already in production right now. There has not been in a word of who's a part of it, which is surprising because Deadline hasn't reported anything, Hollywood Reporter, Variety, and again, this even though this is a part of the Hunger Games franchise, it's a prequel, but still, it's a part of this big franchise that was massive back in the early 2010s. You would think that maybe some of the outlets would be able to pick something up, but the studio has been very tight-lipped. We don't know who the cast is, whether it's made up of newcomers or or veterans. We don't know who's a part of it. So to me, I like that kind of mystery angle to it, that we don't know what the hell's going on. And I'm sure the studio likes it, that they're able to control the narrative where they're kind of silently falling under the radar with this film. Nobody knows what's happening, and then they're just going to spring it on us in some way, unless in the next few days somebody's able to find out who's a part of this movie i think that's a that's a really interesting thing that there's a lot of shred of mystery behind this one and they're able to kind of work behind the scenes and not have to worry about pressure at the moment and they can just kind of do what they need to do with the film so and that was kind of it for CinemaCon. That wrapped up with those three panels. It was, it started off great with, with three incredible days with the Walt Disney Studio, with Warner Brothers, with Sony, and then Neon also did some really cool things as well. And then in the back half with Universal, with what you had in Paramount and Lionsgate, they, I think they did also did a really good job in, in showcasing some exciting things to look forward to in the next few months into the next year. And I think all around, especially coming off the pandemic, this was is really kind of the first big in-person event for CinemaCon since 2019. And they did a really good job. And it sounds like they did a great job of impressing a lot of the, the exhibitioners and really imposing on them that the theaters are back, that the actual exhibition is back, which it pretty much is. But again, there's still a long road of recovery to go, but it's very much ramping back up. And I'm sure this set of blockbusters that even though it's not a big stack summer movie season, it's one that is definitely going to have an impact impact with a lot of, I think, the anticipated titles that are going to be coming out, I think people will be looking forward to. So again, it's all about the baby steps, and there have been some big steps that have been taken in the last couple of months, in the last year or so, but still a a recovery that is still needing to go before we get to the heights of pre-pandemic stuff, especially if they want to get back to what happened in 2019, where nine out of the 10 top 10 highest grossing films in 2019 worldwide were all over a billion dollars at the box office. So if they want to get there, there's still some years to go before I think we get to that moment, but this is the step in the right direction to do just that. What did you guys think about all the news that came out of CinemaCon from any of the panels? What if it's Universal, Paramount? What did you think about the Top Gun Maverick reactions? Are you excited about that film? Seeing the reactions, does it ratchet up your expectations or your excitement for the film in the next couple of weeks? What about the Walt Disney stuff or what about the Warner Brothers stuff or Sony? Let me know down below and leave your thoughts. And moving on to some other news that I want to get to before wrapping up the podcast, I want to talk about a story that came out earlier in the week that I didn't get to, and that has to do with the announcement about the the theatrical adaptation to the musical hit, Wicked. And this has been a film, or rather a property, that has been hoping to get the film adaptation for a long, long time. It's gone through production hell, different directors have changed, stars have changed, but they finally have kind of gotten down to the core premise. They have a director in John M. Chu. They have their leading ladies in both Cynthia Revo and Ariana Grande. And it seems like everything's coming together and they're going to shoot soon. And then came the announcement from John M. Chu. And in a positive light or 
in a progressive way that these films are actually coming to the scenes. And I say films because John M. Chu, excuse me, put out a statement talking about an update in production about the state of these films. As we prepared the production over the last year, it became impossible to wrestle the story of Wicked into a single film without doing some real damage to it. As we tried to cut songs or trim characters, these those decisions began to feel like fatal compromises to the source material that has entertained us all for so many years. We decided to give ourselves a bigger canvas and make not just one Wicked movie, but two. With more space, we can tell the story of Wicked as it was meant to be told while bringing even more depth and surprise to the journeys for these beloved characters. So that's a positive surprise where you're not just getting one film, you're getting two films, and part one is set to debut in December of 2024, with part two coming out the following year in December of 2025. So again, the big question coming out of this is, for any Broadway film, you never really hear about two adaptations or two parts. It, usually they, they condense it within a two hour plus movie. So why the need for two parts all of a sudden? And th there's a few ways you could go. Of course, the first one is Universal, who is producing this, wants to milk it as much as possible. This is one of the longest running Broadway productions on the circuit right now. It, it, it's made a lot of money. It's very popular. The songs are sung over and over again. It made stars of people like Christine Chathworth and, and Idina Menzel. So you would you would want to milk that. You have two, well, one big pop star in Ariana Grande in here. You probably want to milk that out as well. So you just want to probably, like a lot of studios do when it comes to splitting these things up, you want to milk it out a little bit. You want to make sure that it's not just one and done. If it's success, you're, you're gaining from that success as well. But also from what I hear, apparently the source material from the musical itself is consistent of 405 pages. So if you want to take it from a creative side, which I think is actually, it makes a lot of sense and I'm actually kind of happy about this. They want to really kind of go deeper with this with, with, with this musical. And I think when you talk about movie musicals, if they're adapted from Broadway, it's kind of like a copy and paste where you're just taking either A, some of the good stuff about the, the musical and putting it in there, or it's just a, a carbonated copy of everything that goes on there, just told on on, on a on a film production instead of a instead of a Broadway theater. And if they're really trying to maybe go in there and 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 get into some of the characters and things that maybe you didn't see on the Broadway that you can only see on the big screen, I think that can entice people to look at it a little a little different where it's an expansion on this. And I think when it comes to retellings or reimaginings, you want to be able to expand on certain story and characters. And I think one of the great things about the the Disney live action retellings that have happened, especially I bring up the likes of Aladdin or Cinderella they're able to expand on some of those characters and tell the story that we know, but go a little bit deeper and, and showcase different things about characters that maybe we didn't know. And so I think from a creative aspect, you can also go into that route. So there's the business part and there's the creative aspect. And I think both of them make sense in some kind of a way. And uh, again, I think after everything that this, that this process for this adaptation has been through, I think they've come out of the gates coming through kind of in, in, in a good space head moving into production. I mean, they got a, a fantastic director in John M. Chu who did amazing with Crazy Rich Asians. He knows how to handle the movie musical. He did a great job within the Heights. So this is somebody who has knowledge within this genre. So your hands are capable there. Of course, you have Cynthia Riva who you know she's going to crush it. And Ariana Grande, again, she's got the voice acting. We'll see how that goes. But 
again, I think when you have somebody like John M. Chu, Cynthia Revo there, it's a good safety blanket to have or safety net where you have this experience that can help you throughout that process as well. So this 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 material is in is in really good hands. And I've heard from people that are that maybe like this, maybe don't like this within the, within the musical Broadway community. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this all comes together. But again, I think coming out of this, it, it's it's a lot more sh- sunshine than anything else. And it seems like this production is in a better space than it was just two years ago. So this is definitely probably going to be on a lot of people's anticipated list, both in 2024 and the first films of success. So probably be on a lot more people's list if it's that kind of financial success in 2025. So we'll see how it all goes. But this is definitely one to keep an eye out for in the next couple of years. What do you guys think about Wicked splitting up into two different parts? Let me know down below and leave your thoughts. And the final thing that I want to talk about on the podcast today to wrap up the weekend is to travel into a galaxy far, far away. And of course, one of the most highly anticipated projects of the year, but specifically in the month of May... It's of course you have Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness, you have Stranger Things, but within the Star Wars universe, within the Star Wars fandom, within geekdom, one of the big things coming out in the month of May, of course, is the next Disney Plus show in the Star Wars universe, and that is probably the most anticipated is Obi-Wan. Kenobi, which you have Ewan McGregor coming back as the Jedi Knight himself. You have Hayden Christensen coming in and reprising the role of Anakin Skywalker and also stepping into the shoes of Darth Vader. You have elements from the, the, the Star Wars Rebel animated show. You have elements from the prequel, the original trilogy, all coming in to this limited series event. And it was labeled as a limited series for forever. And it's still labeled as that. It's a six episode event that's only going to be one season. Nothing else going to tell this one story. However, there have been hints within an Entertainment Weekly cover story within other elements that maybe we could potentially get a second season if a story dictates that it goes there. Deborah Chow has commented on it. Some of the other creative heads behind the, the, the show and the event have talked about it. But for the first time, Hugh McGregor is also talking about this element and the possibility about coming back and reprising the role again after this event of Obi-Wan Kenobi. This is what he had to say. If we were to get an opportunity to do it again, I'd totally be up for that. Here I go again. It's like me knocking at Disney's door again. It was nice to come back and to bridge the gap between me and Alec Guinness. I got as much or more out of playing him this time than I did in the last and the first three movies put together. That's to do with the writing and the people we were making the series with and the technology and how different everything is. So it sounds like Ewan McGregor had a great experience that he would want to come back and do this. And I think from all the articles that I've read and, and Ewan McGregor's experience, it seems like he knows the popularity that the prequel trilogy has gained over time and that it, it's a better experience. And I think after everything he went through shooting those films and the reception that those films got, he knows the kind of creative heads that are behind this, that they're into Star Wars as much as he is, how much he's into the character. I mean, Deborah Chow, you know what she did in the first season of Mandalorian. She is a Star Wars geek. She is a Star Wars connoisseur through and through. And so I'm excited to see what she does, but it sounds like you McGregor had a great time with her as well. To be able to come back and want to do this again is potentially great for that. Now, whether we get a season two, again, who knows? I mean, 
we can throw limited series out the door because I feel like with a lot of shows nowadays, they say they're limited series, but sometimes they'll actually get a second or third season and they don't and they don't stay that way. So uh, again, you can never say never unless we know who knows where the story goes at the end of this, whether it links up closer to what we know with A New Hope that maybe there isn't enough leeway to do another adventure. Or maybe there is. We just don't know. But I think we just need to get through these first six episodes first, or these six episodes, and just see what story they try to tell. I mean, I'm super excited for this. I think if we're talking about anticipation in the month of May, this is number two next to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. If, if Multiverse of Madness was not coming out, this would be the number one thing I'm looking forward to this upcoming month because it's just, it, it's one of those things where it's going to be a cultural event. It's got characters that you're familiar with, char- uh, not characters, but locations and, and source material that a lot of people know. And people have been clamoring to see Ewan McGregor back in this role. And the fact that you're able to get Hayden Christensen to come back and kind of do a, a a, a nice redemption for him after his experience with the prequel trilogy, seeing him reprise the role of not just Darth Vader, but Anakin Skywalker, and seeing how maybe he's evolved and how he evolved with the character. You've heard that he he said that he watched the animated shows, specifically the, the, the Clone Wars and Rebels, so he has more of the backstory of what Filoni and Lucas did in the time between the prequel trilogy and those animated episodes and installments. It's going to be interesting to see what he does in capable hands of like a Deborah Chow. So I'm really excited to see what they do. A lot, I think a lot of Star Wars fans are clamoring for this right now. They know what the potential of the show can be. So it's going to be really exciting. And, and May is going to be a stacked month, especially in the back half of the year after Doctor Strange start, kicks everything off in the beginning. That Memorial Day weekend between Top Gun Maverick, Stranger Things Season 4, Part 1, Obi-Wan, even Bob's Burgers. I know there's a fandom behind that that'll go see that in theater. So it's going to be an exciting month of May to look forward to. And which project are you guys looking forward to? Is it Obi-Wan? Is it something else? Let me know down below and leave your thoughts. And with that down and out of the way, that will wrap it up for this edition and this week on the Sam Bissell Podcast. Once again, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and much more. Also, make sure to tune in on to the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And be sure to check out the other amazing shows that are on there, such as You Mad Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. Also, check out Goal Driven Professionals, Geared Toward Improving Client Relations, Return on Investment, and Customer Acquisition Costs for Independent Businesses and Services. Also, check out The Daily Grind, a weekly motivational podcast with Kelly Johnson, giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals. Also, along the way, make sure to check out these other amazing shows on the podcast solutions, such as Wrestle Attic Radio, Fretzelmania Podcast, and Midnight Showing. You can check these out and so much more on the website, ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com, also on Facebook and Twitter at Real Ambiguous. And if you want to check out Canopy Treehouse, use the coupon code AMBIGUOUS. Also, when you get a chance, make sure to follow me on social media. Find me on Twitter at Basel Samuel, and you can also find me on Facebook at Sam Basel. And if you also want to check out my YouTube channel, then you can find me at the Sam Basel Podcast. So once again, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Have a wonderful weekend, and until next time, keep on screening. <laughs>